welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. How do you define success? Are you accepting someone else's definition or are you deciding what success is for yourself? In this episode, best-selling author Christy Rutherford shares her journey to high levels of success, but also highlights what she gave up along the way. In the last few years of her career, she realized she was digging an early grave and courageously discloses her breaking point and how she left a six-figure career for freedom. Christy shares insights on the common experiences high-performing women experience and also the things they give up to achieve success. Through her own experiences and lessons learned, she now assists women in leadership to get unstuck, make more money, and have more peace and enjoy more fulfillment in their personal and professional lives. Christy is also a keynote speaker and author, publishing five best-selling books on Amazon in eight months. A Harvard Business School alumna, Christy is also a certified executive leadership coach from Georgetown University. Christy is the 13th African-American woman to achieve the rank of commander in the U.S. Coast Guard's 225-year history, where the demographic was 0.1%. Among her many professional accomplishments, her national recognition includes Harvard Business School's 2018 Launching New Ventures Pitch Contest Grandmaster Champion, Cambridge Who's Who's Among Executives and Professionals, and the Edward R. Williams Award for Excellence in Diversity. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Christy. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are super excited to have you here to hear about your amazing and interesting story. I will say it's probably one of a kind. And um, just also to for you to share your pearls of wisdom and all of your wonderful insight um, for our listeners uh, to help them go beyond barriers. So without further ado, um, I'll hand it over to you. But let's start off by you telling us your story and what you've learned along your journey. Oh, that's a very open question, Monica. One, thanks for inviting me. Mm-hmm. And... What have I learned most about my journey? I would say I, I, I like to ask people who are adults over the age of 35, mm-hmm. are you who you are or are you who life made you? Because mm-hmm. sometimes through life and negative experiences and bad bosses, bad relationships, dysfunctional families, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think that I've met one person who life has not had their way with them, right? Like I Mm -hmm. always say, life is going to put you in the headlock at some point. And it's something between the ages of 35, 36 to about 47, Mm -hmm. where everybody's going to get it. And and this time right now is really, uh, I think it's a collapsed or Mm -hmm. it's almost a compound effect where everybody's experiencing pain at the exact same time. Yes. So 
are you who you are, which is the, 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 the free spirit or the happy person, the one who is happy without material possessions and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one who can be happy, almost like the childlike happiness, or are you who life created a person of fear or bitterness or resentment or guilt or shame? Because that's the stuff that's showing up right now. Mm-hmm. No, that is actually a phenomenal question, especially like you said, we're in an unprecedented time where I think the entire world, right, is feeling kind of the, going through the same experience at the same time, the fears, the anxieties, mm-hmm. the unknowns, um, and it's it's turning lives upside down, right? And in some cases, no job, no work, what do I do? Um, but I think it's also the opportune time for people to reassess what it is that they're wanting to do. Um, and, you know, they may have been in a job, like you said, they've allowed life to influence who they are. Um, yes. But maybe now is an opportunity for them to discover maybe what their unique strengths are, what their superpower is. Tell us a little bit about how you discovered your unique strengths and your superpower because you've had an amazing career in that, you know, um, I think, you know, in terms of switching lanes and and doing different things. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, at at the 16 and a half year mark of my 20 year career, I resigned Mm -hmm. with three and a half years left to retire with a full pension. So I would have retired in 2016. So I will be getting paid $40,000, $50,000 a year mm-hmm. right now for waking up in the morning. And <laughs> I resigned prematurely. And, and it was for a lot of reasons, Monica, but really I was who life made me. Mm-hmm. And I was a military officer who mm-hmm. was in an organization where my demographic was 0.1%. So Mm -hmm. there were challenges. And so I would say three key things happened. I gave away the ability to be able to value myself and Mm -hmm. put it in in the hands of people who were doing my performance reviews. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. The second thing is I did not manage my stress. I was not managing the inner voice that was in my head. And I surrendered personal development for for professional development. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is I had a lot of bad bosses. So when I had the last bad boss, my forest was already on fire. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my my forest was on fire for years. He just exacerbated a, a situation. So we, so a lot of times, even myself at the time when it first happened, and I see a lot of women blame one person. It's like, no, your forest was on fire for 10 years. That one person just made it so unbearable that you had to take action. Mm-hmm. So I resigned. And, and what I really learned uh, was a lot was I really wanted a different life. I, mm-hmm. I had this career. I was successful. I had this money. I had the car and I lived on a golf course and I had these things. But secretly, I was miserable. Mm-hmm. I, I did not like the person who who I looked at in the mirror every day mm-hmm. and through a series of events. And, and we can talk about that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I had my awakening moment, which, which, which is what everybody's experiencing right now, but I was in isolation for three and a half years. Mm. That's, I would say some struggles or some challenges that, that you've presented where you talked about being in an organization, being in the military. Um, and I do want to touch on in a little bit how you transition from military life to civilian life. Cause we get that question a lot. Um, but then, too, um, thinking more along the lines of you were in an organization where you were, the demographic was, you were like 
the only, right? You were 0.1%. Um, mm-hmm. How did you manage in terms of the, the trying to identify or maybe you didn't manage, I guess we can learn from lessons learned from both sides, but how did you manage in the sense of trying to identify how to belong or how to acclimate or, you know, in order to meet the requirements of what they define success to be? Well, well, it's interesting because not only have did I find that I did it when I transitioned out and started talking to a lot of successful women, I've learned that we, uh, most of us do it. So mm-hmm. it's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of women, but I assimilated. And, and there's a Harvard Business Review that says, typically what happens when women enter male-dominated work environments, we assimilate in order to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And we take on the characteristics of the men in order to be seen by them as capable and competent. Mm-hmm. But as we continue to grow, they say we're capable and competent because we act like them and we can connect with them. So this is the majority of which is white men, mm-hmm. but they don't like, they don't like us. The likability goes down because we don't act like women. Mm. And if we acted like women, we wouldn't be seen as capable and competent, but and not only do we get it from the men, the women don't like us as well. So leadership mm-hmm. is very, very lonely. So that's what happened. So I assimilated and by energy, Monica, I became a white male in energy mm-hmm. to get along with them and then wondered why I was single. <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> that was the I worst outcome. I said this on a stage. Yeah, I said this on a stage in uh, Nova Scotia, and and this uh, this this young white female came up to me. She said, "Christy, oh my God, I'm the white man." I was like, <laughs> "Yes," because that's the first time I've said it from a stage. I mean, I kind of ride the edge, <laughs> right, when I yes. talk. Mm-hmm. But I want people to become aware of a lot of women who work in male-dominated work environments are single is because we've unconsciously assimilated and we act like men, wondering why we can't get a man. But that's a whole other side note. Yeah. So, and, and absolutely, it's a double-edged sword where you said, you know, you are assimilating in order to get ahead. But then on the other side of, of the blade, you have people who are upset at you because it doesn't fit your what they would assume to be your norm or the norm for a female mm-hmm. or a woman of color um, and whatnot. Tell me a little bit about what maybe some of the patterns um, that you've observed and now that you stepped out of the military, you're doing a lot of coaching, you're working with women. Um, what are some of the patterns you've observed that prevent women from showing up with confidence and owning their success? I, I think for the most part, we're not allowed women are afraid. Actually, let me back up on that. There was another study. I was like, when I found all this data, I'm like, oh my God. So there's a study that says it was a Bain study that in the first two years of a woman's career, Mm -hmm. 65% of women aspire to the executive level, 35% of men. But after two years, it goes from 65% to 16%. And our confidence falls by 50 and men remain the same. So for an ambitious woman, a woman who's going in, a woman who says, I'm going to conquer the world, a woman says, I'm going to kill it, we get attacked first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get marginalized first. We get ostracized first. So they work to beat out of you your confidence and mm-hmm. your 
courage and your ability to speak up in a meeting. Well, they, you know, so they talk like in Lean In, she talked about how women are just sitting in the corner, don't say anything. It's because when we're accustomed to talking, we get attacked. So over mm-hmm. time, we just start to shrink into that box, right. which is why women aren't getting it to the, you know, to the executive level is because we're taken out in the first two years. Mm-hmm. So what I found is I work with, you know, I work with most of the executive level women is by the time we become successful, we're so accustomed to fighting. We don't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we have to fight all the time to get ahead. But what happens is that fight energy, that fight club energy is showing up, which is what's mm-hmm. stopping us from getting to the next level because we don't have the ease and we don't have the, you know, we're not walking on red magic carpets here. We are angry and we're bitter and we're pissed off mm-hmm. and we're carrying it. And what happens is when we're having conversations in the room with our male counterparts, mm-hmm. typically we're the only woman. They call us aggressive. They say mm-hmm. you're mean. Mm-hmm. And even if we have a calm presence, Monica, in our head, because we have fight club energy coming out and we're actually right. scratching their eyeballs out, that's what they feel. <laughs> right. Well, a lot of women, you know, are accused of being angry and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm not angry, but in their heads, you know, and people can feel that energy. So that's what I found is that we don't know, one, how to stop fighting because we're accustomed to it. And two, because women are bleeding from so many scars and the battle mm-hmm. scars that it took to become successful, we never actually feel successful. So, so we've arrived, but we never feel it. So, you know, women continue to work and work and work and work to try to feel successful. They never own it because of the battle scars that it took to get there. Mm, that's profound. So tell me, how did you manage that? How did you manage the, um, the emotional intelligence per se? How did you manage the, um, the poker face, I guess you could say, where maybe <clears throat> you were able to present calm and kind of um, you know, be seen as the rational? Or did you just say, forget that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be who I am and deal with the consequence, consequences and, and own it? So I get a lot of that question of, well, if I step out of the, my comfort zone and I do lean in or I do speak up or I do push back, I get that stereotypical pushback of, oh, you're being the, you know, the, um, the fiery Latina or the angry black woman or whatever that might be. How, do, how have you managed that? Or, or have you just, you know, have you just like just bulldozed it? Is that, is that now or is that when I was in my career? I would say in your career, what lessons did you learn? Like, what did you do wrong? Oh, what did I was you the fight? angry black woman. Okay. No, I was an angry black woman. No, mm-hmm. I was. <laughs> I would throw a chair out of the window. I, would, I was a furniture rearranger. Let's be clear. I, like, I became so aggressive in my fight club energy that I tell people there were memos out on me. Like, I, I, was, I was flip-flopping between, between trying to be a great leader and, and I coached my people and I mentored a lot of people and I got a lot of people promoted. But I remember asking a, a, a young man that worked for me, why are y'all afraid of me? And he's like, I don't know. Like, we love you. But I was still so intense from the un, and it's not unconscious bitterness and resentment. Oh, mm-hmm. I was fully aware. I was mad as H-E-L-L because of what it took me to get there. It was 
only when I left and I did a lot of work on myself and I let that stuff go. Now, I don't care what people say, but a lot of times women are not willing to own that they are angry. Mm-hmm. Women are mad as hell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, let's be clear. You are angry. And the, and the challenge is until we're able to admit that to ourselves, we mm-hmm. can't keep blaming the men for only projecting how we're showing up. Mm-hmm. That, that's the problem. And it's a very unpopular opinion, but I work with women all the time. And mm-hmm. once they get it and they change, the men are like, and the men is interesting because the men are the people who give feedback first. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when you've changed, you don't know that you've changed until someone can reflect your current reality. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? You're so calm now. What, what have you been doing? <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you seem so at ease right now. What, what, what's going on with you? So it's, it's only until they change and shift their energy and start to release some of the pent up frustration and resentment and mm-hmm. forgive people and, and, and let that energy go. Can you now show what renewed and refreshed and now be respected at the level that you want to in your position. But until you get that energy in order, nothing else matters. I find that fascinating because when you say, you were the angry, angry black oh, yeah, woman. You were, say. right. Yeah. And yeah. you didn't get the feedback. <laughs> so when you were, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I find it really interesting where women say, well, I never get feedback. They don't give me feedback. And it's probably because you said they're emitting this kind of like anger, or this wall, and, and people are afraid to give the person, you know, feedback. I got feedback. They've said yeah. you're angry. I said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so it's a difference, right? So, so mm-hmm. I would say this on the feedback thing. My, my mentors were like, Christy, you're mad. I am, I am bleeding. Do you hear me? Mm-hmm. I am bleeding from the battle scars and being harassed and, you know, the microaggressions and the overt aggressions and the covert aggressions and the psychological mind games. I mean, when I say my energy was swirling like a tornado, I can't put my feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of women are caught up in this storm and, and that's just that work. That's, that's not even talk about, we got to go home, <laughs> we have errands, we have families, we have communities, we have kids and husbands. I mean, women are overwhelmed and have not been able to put their feet on the ground to, to get, uh, you know, uh, um, when I talked to a lot of women, I said, Let, let's just become the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. They can't even imagine coming out of the storm. So if you remember mm-hmm. Twister, mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever I tell the story to millennials, they're like, I don't know what to talk about. I'm like, yeah, it's Twister. Helen Hunt, hello. <laughs> but the movie Twister, when the cow is swirling around yes. and the roof, and when you're in that storm, you're swirling around and around and around. So the goal is most women don't believe that they can actually come out of it. So I say, okay, let's get solid on the ground first. Let's meditate. Self-care, take care of yourself, work out. Go home on time, you know, two days a week and don't eat at your desk and all these, these new small habits that it takes. Mm-hmm. Get some sleep, get some massages. Mm-hmm. If you can put your feet on the ground, then you can make decisions with clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make decisions on who you want to be and where you're going to be. But most women are unwilling. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. Unwilling to take care of themselves. Mm. unwilling to make themselves the number one priority, unwilling to surrender their unhappiness and, and, and become happy 
and then let everybody else deal with themselves just for a season. Women mm -hmm. aren't willing to say, I'm going to make myself a priority for three or four months. And once I get it together, now I can move forward. Mm -hmm. So we are our own worst enemies when it comes to that. Women fight the notion of it's, it's, it's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault when it's really, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's really in their hands. I love that you said that it's it's in our own hands and that they are unwilling because it's um, <clears throat> I do think it takes that realization to be honest with yourselves and, and, and do that that assessment for you. What was that aha moment when you realized that, you know, OK, I'm admitting that I'm angry. I'm going to embrace that angry and let it go. What did you do in order to be able to let it go? Because I think, you know, I myself have struggled in the past of how can I just let it go? Um, what do you do? Let's, let's be clear. I was not a willing participant in my rescue. <laughs> let's be 100% clear. I did not walk away from my good, solid government salary saying. <laughs> I, I was not okay when I walked away. It sounds really good. Oh, she walked away with three and a half years left to retire. No, I had to run for my life. I ran for my life like Tina Turner ran from Ike in that white suit. I was not going to, I was going to die if I would have stayed. Mm -hmm. Seriously, I would have had a heart attack or a stroke within, within a year because I I was burning in my own self-created lava. And I can say it's the career that created the lava around me, but how I was showing up and not managing who I was, which is the only thing I could control. Right. I was burning up and burning. I had 17 medical conditions when I left. Now mm. I have none. So, uh, so for a year, I, um, I was selling coffee and I, was <laughs> <laughs> I love that coffee company though. I was working with the network marketing company. They were so happy and you know, I was going to be rich in two months. And, um, <laughs> and, and after a, about 18 months, uh, I ran out of money. I saved about six figures and I ran out of money. And I was like, okay, Christy, I've been offered about 20 jobs at that point. But Monica, I knew I was secretly crazy. I, I knew it. <laughs> right? I call a spade a spade. There, I was Mrs. A Marble. And I was like, Christy, you can get a job. Uh, you know, I've been 26 figure job. I never applied for a job. People were like throwing job offers at me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I'm going to be rich selling coffee. So when I ran out of money, I was like, Chrissy, but you're crazy. Like, let's, let's be clear. But Napoleon Hill said, my favorite quote, mm -hmm. if I had the courage to look in the mirror and see myself as I truly am, then I will find out what is wrong with me and fix it as opposed to building alibis to cover my misfortunes. Mm -hmm. If I had the courage to look in the mirror and see myself as I truly am, not who my title says I was, mm -hmm. not who my degrees define me as, not as the awards, because I have enough awards to fill up a whole room, right? I celebrate mm -hmm. me. I love me wall. Christy's this, this high achiever. No, something is wrong with you. And, and you can fix it or you can get a job and continue to be broken. So I moved in with my brother mm -hmm. and I gave up everything. So I, I moved in with my brother and, and it took three and a half years for me to see how I, one, created my success also mm -hmm. created my demise mm -hmm. and created this new level of success. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I had no money, no car, no food, no, no nothing. And, um, but I came out with area of now I understand what I did. Now I understand 
the pattern of successful women and successful people now let me catch you. I know it. Mm -hmm. I know what burnout sounds like. I I know what what hidden secret crazy sounds like. I know what it looks like. I can see it in your face. <laughs> now let me let me show you the way to the light. Mm -hmm. um, and that took. I, I thought I, I thought it would take two months. It took three and a half years. So mm -hmm. that was that's what happened. It wasn't you know this revelation of light that came across me. It was two hundred thousand dollars. It was you know, hyperventilating because I lost everything. It was rolling around on the floor and mm -hmm. dancing to Beyonce in the rain. So it was a lot. <laughs> no, it absolutely sounds like a lot. And you overcame those. And <clears throat> if you can share with our audience, like what were some of the fears, the limiting beliefs that you were experiencing during that time? And how did you overcome them? I, I would say the first fear was I was, I was going to run out of money and I did. Yeah, I ran out of money, and 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 I made more money when I was fourteen. I mean, I launched a business every week, and and Facebook memories keep popping up, showing me these things that I failed, and I'm like, oh yeah, I was selling that for two hundred dollars. Nobody bought that. Um, <laughs> so the first thing I was going to run out of money, and I did. And then the second thing was I, I wanted my health back, and I wondered if I could get it back. I wanted my hundred percent perfect mental health back. Mm -hmm. And 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 I wondered if I could restore who I used to be because life had beat the life out of me. Can I can I get that person back? Can I? I'm in a hole so deep. Mm -hmm. I think I jumped off a cliff. And and being a veteran is even more challenging because now our identity is attached to our uniform, and nobody mm -hmm. even knows what that means, nor do they care. So <laughs> we not only jump off a cliff, we don't hit the beach like most people. We mm -hmm. sink to the bottom of the ocean, to the depths mm -hmm. where only Navy ships can sail. <laughs> you know? um, and I swallowed half the pool of life. So it's really about, it, it, and I'm going to start talking about this now, where had I sought the mindset first and not the money, right? Mm -hmm. Because we always think that I need the money, I need the money, I need the money. But if your mind is not properly structured and healed, mm -hmm. you're you're not going to get the money because it's so much strain. If I would have sought the mindset first, the money came after, after I lost everything for probably, I think like the first year and a half, I stopped seeking the money and I just started solely working on my mindset. So right now I, I suggest that, you know, the, the, the people who are listening to this to seek the mental wholeness first and mm -hmm. the, and you won't lose your money. <laughs> Right. Don't worry about the money. Get your marbles right. It'll and it'll come. It'll come. It'll so, come. the mental mindset. I'm sure there's going to be a listener right now thinking, "Okay, I get that. How do I even start?" One. When you wake up in the morning, start listening to something positive. YouTube is full of cat videos, but YouTube is also full of motivational videos. Mm -hmm. Jim Rome, I was just li listening to Jim Rome this morning. Na Napoleon Hill, who I love, Les Brown, Tony Robbins was on, mm -hmm. and then Billy Allsbrooks has more of an upbeat screaming in the in the microphone where he mm -hmm. says, "I was born a champion. I woke up, I'm a champion. I'll always be a champion. You know, when I go to when I die, I'll be a champion." So I had to listen to that because I was such a loser. <laughs> mm. <laughs> in your mind yes people say you weren't a loser i was losing though it's hard to tell a person who's like depressed and on the ground you're mm -hmm. not losing i have nothing i am 
Mm -hmm. Um, so I will have to listen to that stuff as soon as I woke up in the morning, because when you wake up in the morning, that's where the negative voice starts to like attack you. Right. So, uh, the, the, the mind is most open to reprogramming Mm -hmm. 30 minutes before you go to bed, 30 minutes after you wake up and while you're sleeping. So it's, what are you watching before you go to sleep? If you're watching the news while you sleep or while you're uh, about to go to sleep, or if you're on social media looking at everybody, everybody's lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's talking about they're happy. Like, no, you're not. Uh, you're just as crazy as I am. So I, I actually shut down all my social media um, because I was so sad and miserable. And I'm looking at, and I know I was lying. And I'm looking at other people lying and it made me angry. And, and you know, so I just, I actually got off of social media for like seven months. Mm-hmm. Over a three and a half year period, I was off of social media about two, two and a half years of that mm-hmm. because I needed to study and, and figure out who was Christy, who, who am I? And, and now I, I quote a lot of Napoleon Hill because I mm-hmm. had to now get anchored in the pillars of how I want to show up now. If, if, if my house is imploded and falling apart, I have to put it back together again. But now let me put mm-hmm. it back together consciously on how I want to show up and who I want to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would say YouTube has a gazillion videos. I love free. that. And I love how you're saying the whole, it's more of the, the mindset and the, the mental kind of um, the mental muscle you have to build to define your compelling kind of long-term vision and stay motivated in that space. How do you manage competing priorities with now, you know, <clears throat> you've, you've, clearly now are in a sense your own boss, but then how do you manage and make sure you're drawing boundaries between professional and, per- and personal goals? For me, I, I mean, it's, it's all one now, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we typically have our, our work self and then we have our home self and, and, and somewhere in the middle we're lying. <laughs> you know, so it's, we need to become the full self and be able to show up and fully say, this is who I am. I'm, I'm not going to adjust. And if I have to adjust, you know, I'll, I'll, let me back up just a little bit. Most people, when you adjust and become yourself, mm-hmm. everybody else around you will relax. The problem is if you're pretending to be somebody else, your, your energy is unstable and you're unpredictable in how you're going to show up. And that sets people on edge. So mm-hmm. you should be able to, Give yourself permission to show up as who you are, mm-hmm. not who life needs you, but who you are. And if they don't accept you in that organization, go somewhere else because there are people who will. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, how do I balance it? I, um, I do a lot of personal development. I do a lot of... I, my vision is so clear, Monica, mm-hmm. on who I am today and mm-hmm. who I will be this year, 2025, and, and 2030 and beyond. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is get a clear vision of who you are and who you want to be. I never, when I was in my brother's house, I never lived in my reality. I mm-hmm. never in my mind lived in my brother's house. I lived <laughs> in D.C. Mm-hmm. in a $5 million condo with <laughs> 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 the ceiling windows, right? Like, so people would say, Chrissy, where do you live? I, I would say I live in D.C. James Allen said, if you can hold your mind on the truth, mm-hmm. regardless of appearances, it is the hardest thing that man is called to do to hold his vision and 
on the truth. The truth is I was successful. The truth is I did have all my marbles back. The truth is I did have my health back. Appearances was I was sick. I was crazy. I was broke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) I never owned. And and I'm watching all of this media. People would love for you to own your current state. I never owned that current state. I said, I live in D.C. So every time people say, where do you live? I live in D.C. So my brother's neighbors, because I would go walking, they would be like, hey, Christy, you know, I'm, like, I'm moving in two weeks, right? And, and two weeks later, I still be there. And, and two weeks later, I still be there. They just stopped asking. They was like, this lady is nuts. <laughs> and after two years, I said, okay, I live, because now I'm clearly lying. I live between South Carolina and D.C. I never owned that present state. Mm. So I think having a clear vision of who you are and where you want to be is the number one thing that we need to do. Asking yourself where you are and being brutally honest with yourself. You gotta be honest. Are, are you? Are you? If you're crazy, it's okay. If you're angry, if you're angry, it's okay. It's not okay to stay that. Mm-hmm. And, and and Monica, I did it. This is this is why I can talk about it and be so frank and call people out on it. I did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I am I am almost begging people, don't go down in flames like I did. Please, you know, just take a little bit of this insight. I don't think that we all have to lose everything to learn the lesson. I did. I, I Chris Rutherford, apparently had to go all the way down to the bottom of the ocean and, uh, and figure out how to get it up. So now I can teach this with such clarity and confidence that um, we should seek our mindset first. And if we could be honest with ourselves, we can shift, you know, uh, our fate so fast if we choose mm-hmm. to. And I do it all day with my clients. So That's amazing. So speaking of, um, you know, after that, you clearly like just took off like a rocket ship because you've published five best-selling books. Um, I think you said within a year. I mean, I, f- I find that it, fascinating. It was eight months. Yeah. Yeah. It was eight months. So, <laughs> so tell our, share with our listeners, like your books, they were based, I'm sure, on your experiences, your life and how you brought yourself out of it. If someone is wanting to, um, who's listening and saying, okay, this sounds great. Where do I start? Which one of your books would you recommend they start with? The Heal Your Brokenness, the, the blue one, the mm-hmm. second one. Okay. The, the Heal Your Brokenness book is the book that, you know, once I learned like these lessons and now I can share with, share with people, I wrote that book, but I wanted it to be the first book. But my inner being was like, Chrissy, how can you write a book about healing if you're not willing to share how you became broken? Winners mm-hmm. never want to talk about the broken part. Like <laughs> the, the first book is the book I never talked about because that was the book of my career. That was the book of the, you know, what happened and, and the scenarios. And I was cussing people out of the book. So I really wanted to show people my more spiritually developed side. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write that book. And when I got the feedback from women who were in, I mean, this is like battle cat mode. They were like, Oh my God, Christy, I'm in the same thing. So it does share a purpose. But if, if people are wanting to, really get clear on where they are and where they want to be and who they are and own it and, and heal your brokenness is hilarious because I'm telling stories about, you know, how I found myself in certain situations. Um, so that would be the book that I recommend. Amazing. So <clears throat> given the current environment, we're all, uh, as you know, we mentioned in an unprecedented, you know, situation where everybody's feeling this compounded effect of, you know, what do I do now? Um, some may be feeling a sense of helplessness. Others may be seeing it as an opportunity. Um, what advice would you give on individuals um, that are struggling with the anxiety and, and kind of that inertia and not being able to move? 
it's interesting because you said some people are seeing this as helplessness mm-hmm. and some people are seeing it as opportunity. Mm-hmm. Your listeners have a chance to decide every single day, are they going to be helpless or are they going to seek the opportunity? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be helpless or are you going to get up and get at it? Are you going to be helpless and fall victim to your circumstance? Or are you going to get creative and create your circumstance? Mm-hmm. So how do you close the gap between the helplessness and the opportunity is all day clear vision of who you are and where you want to be. And personal development is going to close that gap. So instead of, I mean, when I, when I say shut down social media, I mean, shut it off and shut it down. People are so unwilling to do the small things. And to some people, you know, shutting out social media, oh my God, that's such a small thing. No, that is, or that's huge for them. But it's such a small thing because you're absorbing information that's not moving you. Mm-hmm. It's, only, it's exacerbating the helplessness. Does that make sense? Right. If you shut that social media down, you have so much more time to read the books and study the, the people who've been successful. And what you would learn is, most successful people, they've been talking about this, uh, William George Jordan in 1899 in The Majesty of Calmness. He talked about how, you, you know, when they talk about rock bottom is the foundation of which most successful people were built. He said that in 1900. So people were hitting the bottom then too. Right. <laughs> so shut down social media, stop watching the news and start to fill yourself with positive information. And that's how you're going to shift it all day. That's phenomenal advice in terms of shutting things down, really kind of consuming and and learning. But what is the key that you would say? Because I know people who will then start consuming and consuming and consuming, but never putting it into action. What is your, what is your, I guess, best success habit that you can teach our listeners about not just consuming, but how do you act on it? I think it's, um, I listened to a guy, uh, Mr. David Menetier, who I saw last year, actually, at, at Bob Parker's conference. Mm-hmm. He said, take one audio that speaks to you and listen to it again and again and again and again. So if we are the tape player, but not the tape, mm-hmm. right? I'm really going old school on this. <laughs> you have to record over the tape or change the tape to change the script of, of, of what's going on in your mind. Mm. So really... This is really about discipline. It's about do you want to change or do you want to complain about change? So most people want to complain and blame other people. A very small group of people are going to come out of this thing, I mean, just like, poof, like so much better. But Monica, this has been this has been going on. You know, I read books from you know Napoleon Hill during the Depression, and, and then Earl Nightingale was talking in 1940, and... Mm-hmm. Um, Neville Goddard in 1935 and Wallace D. Waddles in 1910 and James Allen in 1899. The the circumstances of life, everything comes in in, in ebbs and flowing in waves and and it's circular, right? Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. were people who were losing in 1899. There are a lot of people who lost in the depression. There are a lot of people who became successful and made it out. So your listeners have the opportunity to it's, it's really about a decision that I'm going to absorb information and I'm going to implement it and I'm going to absorb it and I'm going to implement it and I'm going to absorb it and I'm going to implement it. And so I was talking to one of my clients the other day and he's like, Christy, you know, what am I supposed to do? I said, get off freaking social media. That's how I talk to my clients. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, this is your decision to say I'm a procrastinator. That is the decision. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's not a condition. 
that, uh, you know, I, that's not a medical condition procrastination. That's a decision that you're choosing to be distracted as opposed to going over here and do some work. Mm-hmm. You're, you're choosing to, to look at social media and then say that, oh, I need some Adderall or something, some ADD medication. When no, you're not, you don't have ADD. You're just not disciplined enough to put the, put the information in action. Mm-hmm. So read the information, take action. Read the information, take action. It's, it's not that hard, right? Most people <laughs> think that is hard, Monica. It's not that hard. But, but I'll say this and I'll stop because I get excited. You see, I'm getting really loud. Most <laughs> people change through inspiration or desperation. And mm-hmm. I am the person who changed when I was desperate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had, when I say I had to lose absolutely everything and just finally surrender and throw my hands up and say, okay, you got me, fine. I'll do what it takes. I, everything we're talking about, I did it. That's why it took me three and a half years to, mm-hmm. to get my mind and my money right to get out of my brother's house. That, that whole process could have taken two months. But because mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to listen and then apply, does that make sense? Yes. You know, that was a whole year in itself. So, um, so, so my goal is to get people to, to take these small actions so they can come out of this so freaking fast or not even go down. Like my whole goal is people, you don't have to go down because the media says that everybody's going down. 80% of people are going to lose their jobs. That means 20% are going to keep them. Mm -hmm. I mean, these aren't like real stats, but Mm -hmm. 99% of people are going to lose their money around the world. Well, I'm going to be the 1%. Everybody's going down. Well, I'm going to be the first to come up. I mean, like you have to believe that. You have your fate in your hands and don't allow the media to tell you what's going to happen to you. You create it. I don't listen to anything. I'm in the Bahamas, actually. Um, <laughs> so somehow I magically ended up in the Bahamas on a loosely populated island where I go to the beach every morning and I work out. I'm completely oblivious to what's going on in the world. I live in a bubble. It's amazing. I love that. And I think with that, I don't want to, I think you ended that perfectly. And I think our audience will um, be able to really embrace that idea of you can take action based on inspiration or desperation. You have the choice. Um, You have the choice all day. You don't have to be, you don't have to get yourself to a desperate state. Please don't. It's not, it's not a nice place to be. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a good place to be. Well, spoken from a absolute champion who chose to, I guess, take the harder route. But, um, but I think your, your story is phenomenal. It's inspiring. And I think our audience will certainly take away um, the, the important messages of making sure that they are learning and applying and pulling themselves out of there and being that 1% being that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to be the statistic. So thank you so much, Christy. I appreciate that. And I'm sure our audience is going to want to know where they can hear more of you um, or read your books. So share with our audience how they can best be in contact with you, how they can find your books or, you know, what's the best way. Okay. So they can go to christyrutherford.com. I have all my links are there. They can connect with me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I do most of my work and they can also get a free gift that I have. It's a webinar that I did called position yourself to win in 2020 Mm. by going to christyrutherford.com backslash win 2020 and get that webinar. It's so good. I gave away four keys to position yourself and how to get your mindset right to win this year and don't lose like 
everybody's predicting to be. It's, it's all about what you're going to do for yourself and your family. So that's how they can do that. And thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I hope that the listeners have enjoyed the insight. I had a great time doing it. Um, but thank you so much, Monica. You're awesome. Thank you. That was phenomenal. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.